Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Super Mario Brothers for the NES. Well, you've heard the music, folks. And yes, we are doing Super Mario Brothers again. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was our very first episode, and that was 300 episodes ago. Can you believe it? Hot diggity dog. I can barely believe it myself. And, you know, even though we'd done a few practice episodes before that, I'd like to think that we've gotten a little better since episode one. Absolutely. And certain parts of our, our format have evolved over the many years and changed for the better, I like to think. Yeah. So we thought, you know, now that we've hit this wonderful milestone of 300, uh, we're going to go back. You know, not in order, but over time and redo some of those very early episodes because we really covered a lot of huge classics at that time. And I don't think we gave them the breadth or the, the, you know, the real cartridge command experience that they deserve. Absolutely. And also, you know, being noobs uh, <laughs> to the podcast game, uh, there were quite a few eps that were kind of fraught with technical issues that we patched together what we had and did the best we could but now we know better so we can do better indeed and so uh on that note if you uh look back to our our early catalog and you see some of these early episodes disappearing well that might be why that's right and if there are any that you feel like we really stunk it up let us know and maybe we will revisit those for sure. But welcome to our special two-parter 300th and 301st episode covering Super Mario Brothers, the Ur American Nintendo game. Yes. And Super Mario Brothers was developed by R&D4 in Nintendo, you know, mm -hmm. and published by them, Nintendo, in Japan <laughs> in September. They say September 13th, 1985. Wow. This was also the pack-in game with the Nintendo Entertainment System, released in the United States, technically, in October of 1985. Okay. Uh, it was a soft launch, though. Uh, it was only released in New York at that time. Right, right. The most common way of experiencing Super Mario Brothers that year, though, was actually in the Versus Arcade Machine. That's right. It was released in that machine before the vast majority of America even saw the Nintendo Entertainment System. I know I saw it there as well. Now, the Versus machine had other games in it, right? Um, that is the player's choice. The Versus machine mm. was just one game at a time. Okay, okay. And they are very unique and interesting looking cabinets. Right on. Now, it was released in Europe in uh, 86 and in North America in 86 as the Versus machine. So people could have played this game and thought, wow, this is a really fun, crazy arcade game. Sure. And, yeah. then, their, and then their minds would have been blown. September 27th of 1986, when a full nationwide release of the NES was, was well, done. <laughs> the problem here is that in these old games and systems, the companies like to give a date. Sure. But that date means almost nothing. Sure. Retailers weren't beheld or no. beholden to follow these, you know, release drop dates. In fact, I don't even think at that time there was like a mandate. Like the boxes wouldn't even have said like, hold for september 27th right right so whenever that box got to the store it was put out 
And the way the shipping worked is you would have shipping coming from California and New York. And therefore, the middle of the country was usually the least, the last to get a game or system. Sure, as it, as it penetrates through from coast to coast. Now, this game, Super Mario Brothers, was co-designed by Takashi Tezuka. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1960. So he was 25 years old right when he was on. working on this game. Uh, he's best known for his design on uh, Devil World. Okay. I'm just kidding. He's not. Oh, um, <laughs> well, I've, I've heard of Devil World. I've never actually played it, but I've yeah, seen- he's uh, best known as the director of and designer of The Legend of Zelda, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. you know, designer on Mario 3, Mario World, Link to the Past, Link's Awakening, Mario 64. The hits go on and on and on. Some <laughs> lesser known titles, huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy is still with the company today. He's been working on things as a supervisor or producer, and he just produced the very newest Mario game, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Yeah, yeah. So from the beginning to now, I mean, that's an amazing career. And it really shows that Nintendo, really, once they have someone that they trust, they hold on to that person. And the culture there must be good enough to where they want to stay. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good thing <laughs> to do. You know, keep your keep your talent close. Especially when you have talent like this, or talent like uh, the man behind the music of this game, one Mr. Koji Kondo. That's right, yeah. Another legacy. For sure. I mean, born in 1961, so he was only 24 when making this game. Mm -hmm. Young buck. Yeah, probably best known for his music on Devil World. Uh, Sure, yeah. For sure. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, you could also know some of his other games, things like uh, Punch Out, Mm -hmm. uh, Kung Fu, Zelda. Mario 2, 3, World. Oh, wait, almost every Zelda after that. All games known for their boring, lame music. And still with the company, still working on stuff, and even contributing music to, yes, the newest Super Mario Brothers wonder. Keeping it real. Yeah. So, two just pillars of the Nintendo community at the core of this game. Mm-hmm. Who is the third person? Who directed and designed this game? Why it was none other than Shigeru Miyamoto. Now... Shigeru Miyamoto, born in 1952, he was the elder of the group. Sure, sure. 32 years old when working on this game. And we, of course, all know Shigeru Miyamoto as the man who produced and helped design Devil World. (laughs) Right? Indeed. Uh, But of course, Miyamoto, we all know him as, for a long time, the face of Nintendo. And honestly, I mean, every Nintendo game you've loved, he's touched in some way. He is the father of Mario, of Zelda, uh, Pikmin, you name it. It goes down the list. Yeah, yeah. A long and storied career. Now, it is funny. I do like to bring up that Devil World because it never was released in the United States. Yeah. But it was the game that they all kind of formed their bond on together. Cut their teeth on Devil World. Yeah. Now, the game itself was actually programmed by Toshihinko Nakago, and he did not work for Nintendo at the time. Uh, It was part of a company, SRD, Company Limited. And they were a partner with Nintendo, and they programmed it out of house. But then eventually, that company became a subsidiary, and then were fully bought out by Nintendo. Oh, okay. So in those early days, they didn't have a lot of programmers on staff, and they would farm out that programming to other companies. It's kind of what got them in trouble with uh, the Donkey Kong cabinet. Yeah. Like, it was hard for... There's always something about the re-release of that original arcade code that I think stems from the fact that a third party actually coded it out. Oh, right. Yeah. No, I do think I've, I've heard something about that. But by the time they got here, they had you know contracts in place 
and companies that were their subsidiaries to then make sure they fully owned and could, you know, do whatever they needed with that code. Yeah. And the code in this game, it was really, it began and became an attempt to show off everything they had learned on all the first party games they had done before that. Okay. You know, Excitebike, Kung Fu, Devil World. And they wanted to make the ultimate cartridge game. The Famicom disc system in Japan was about to come out. And this was like their last hurrah of cartridges. They didn't realize that in the future there would be, uh, you know, memory cards and all these other adapt things would, would just drop in price and they could make right. their cartridges cheaper and bigger than they had thought. But at this point, they thought, oh, the future will be discs. It'll be the Famicom disc system. Right. So this is where they're they're trying to get the the most out of their, I guess, hardware, software. Software yeah, I mean, this hardware. was supposed to be the last hurrah of the cartridge on their Famicom. Mm -hmm. uh, what's funny is that this game, when it started, was not um, always going to feature Mario. Oh, no. They weren't sure uh, what or who the main character would be. Mm -hmm. But sales of the Mario Brothers game and its uh, arcade cabinet were just blowing up. And therefore, the suggestion was made to put Mario as the centerpiece. Well, and you also, you know... He is the protagonist of Donkey Kong, which was a massive hit as well. So you've got that brand awareness out there. Exactly. And what's amazing is that it was about seven or six people that actually made this game. And they actually started working on this game really almost just less than a year before it was released. Wow. A nice small team cranking away. Yeah. Yeah. And what they did was they took a lot of the game concepts that they thought worked or were their favorites from the other things they had had made and worked on. Like, if you look at Excitebike, they took the speed ramping of your bicycle, the way it accelerates. Mm. And that became Mario's run. Oh, right. On. You took the swimming, you know, that finds its you know way from joust and then balloon fight. Yeah, very similar controls there. Yeah. And this game was made in tandem with Zelda. Oh, really? Yeah, they were being worked on at the exact same time. And that's why they share a couple things, such as the fire bars. Oh, okay. And the, um, I think there's like at least one or two sound effects that they share as well. Oh, right on. And, you know, I did forget to mention one of the things, uh, Donkey Kong, you know, the Donkey Kong 3 and Donkey Kong's ladders, those, the ropes and stuff, those were also, you know, they were trying to figure out how to work that in, but obviously they couldn't until future ones. But, you know, since they were working on it and Zelda at the same time, they really tried to use as much of the same basic code and things. And that's why you have that, the fire wheel, the sound effect. And I guess there's a couple other things behind the scenes that match up, mm. but this game was really like bursting the seams of the cartridge format. So they had to figure out every way they could to save space. Right. on, Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those things now are become like, you know, quirky uh, facts or whatever, but you can see it if you look closely where things like the clouds and the bushes are the oh, same yeah. graphics. Yeah. Yeah. They're just different colors. Yeah. And then the the backgrounds, the population of the hills, the clouds, and the bushes, it's actually an, an logarithm that does that. Oh, it's, really? And, and it's not like procedurally generated, but it's kind of done that way where they don't have to program it in. And if you notice, you can see the pattern after a while, yeah. especially if you break the level in certain ways um, with certain glitches and you can go past the flag, you can definitely easier than see the pattern oh, that they, yeah, they have yeah. chosen for each level as it goes. And then that even like uh, boils down to some of the sound effects where they are like recycled and shortened in weird ways that I never noticed. So oh, yeah. the jump sound is also the swim noise. Really? Yeah. And huh. the uh, the damage sound is your pipe entrance noise. Oh, that. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely hear that. Yeah. Yeah. In my mind's ear. 
Yeah. So, you know, they did everything they could and they thought they had made a great game, but they weren't really sure. Like, you know, until they release it to the public, what right. that kind of reaction <laughs> right. would be. Right. And as we all know, this was, of course, a colossal hit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And as big as a hit it was here, it was even bigger in Japan. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It sold 1.2 million copies in its first month. Wow. 3 million copies in the first four months. Okay. Okay. And in, by 1997, they had sold 5 million copies in Japan. Ah, that's awesome. It had the number one book in Japan that year was a Mario guide. And I think the second or third number one, the second or third book on the charts was another Mario guide. <laughs> like a third party? Yeah. Like Crazy. how to beat Mario. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this game was just a juggernaut. Um, eventually, by the end of it, worldwide, they sold 40 million copies of this game. That is crazy, you know? Yeah, 29 million of those are U.S. Sure. And how many, so as the pack-in for the NES, not all, but most of the, the action set and various other things, you know, I'm sure it got a lot from that, too. Yeah, I mean, that counts in those numbers, but that's still a staggering amount of games for, and that was before video games were the, you know, part of culture they are now. Oh, absolutely. And then here in America, once it hit, I mean, the marketing machine went to overdrive. You could get your Mario sheets, your shirts, you name it. Stickers. Gotta love the stickers. And I do love that the the all the merch that came out from that first wave after Mario 1, because they hadn't really figured out exactly how they wanted Mario <laughs> to look. Right, right. So he's got like a, a real kind of goofy, different design. You know, his hat's a little more of like a cap. He's a little more of a squat man. Well, and it's back when... You know, he, his his clothing was red and he, his overalls were brown, not blue, you know, so th th there's an interesting dichotomy there to see when and where the blue overalls first showed up. Yes. And of course, being the game it was so popular, such an important milestone for Nintendo. This game has so many versions and ports across the years. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, in Japan, they even had a version called Mario After Dark. It was like a limited edition tie-in where all of the all levels right. were, were, yeah, don't get your hopes up. Oh, too late. The, the princess does not take her clothes off at the end, like you heard on the playground. What about Mario? That's... I wish. <laughs> uh, instead, all the levels are like night. Okay. So it's just weird things like that. Yeah. Um, but in America, we got Mario All-Stars on the Super Nintendo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was part of that. There was a Game Boy Advanced and a Game Boy Color port. Yeah, well. And I some mean... of them had extra features, extra levels. Some small changes, you know? Right on. But then from that point on, it was re-released for the Wii, the Wii U, the Switch. Uh, it it has its own handheld that I own. Oh, sure. Well, I mean... That, that anniversary <laughs> handheld. There was the Game & Watch versions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, though, it's like, we have pictures on our cell phones that are larger files than an NES ROM. So, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's why not put it on as much as you can? Yeah, I mean, you can literally go right now to super mario dash game.com and play it in your browser oh right yeah it's just kind of ubiquitous now i mean it's everywhere it's everywhere and mario has kind of become the de facto face of video games oh uh, yeah and while he was in donkey kong and in mario brothers it was this game super mario brothers that really took him to the next level and made him that mascot for the system and for video games going forward
Well, Nick, what kind of game is Super Mario Brothers? Sir, it is a side-scrolling platformer, perhaps the platformer, you might say. Yeah. And in this game, you can jump. In fact, this is the game that really defined the platforming jump, the side-scrolling jump. It's a very innovative jump for its time. And then, you know, after this, every, especially in the console market, every jump was either trying to emulate this jump or it was a response to it, you know, and it's difference. Yeah, because like, obviously, Castlevania is not trying to be a Mario jump. Right, right. But it is its own specific jump that is saying we are not that jump. We are this jump. Yes, yes. And the jump in Mario. And I love talking about this game like it's something none of you have ever played. Oh, you'll love it. But the jump in Mario is not static. And that was kind of mind blowing at the time. Yeah, I don't recall any jumps like this before it, but that doesn't mean they're not out there. But yeah, I mean, it, it they could have existed. But for me, every time you hit the jump, you jump, you know, 10 pixels. Right, right. Just like in, in um, Donkey Kong or Mario Brothers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in this game, the jump is affected in two ways, one by speed and one by the length of the button press. That's right. So you can, you know, a quicker tap on the A button will give you a, a shorter, smaller jump. And, you know, there's also a bit of left-right play when you're in the midair. Oh, yeah. Can, you know, which was, was new to me as well. So it gives you a lot of finesse there to express yourself in the air. And a lot of freedom. I mean, when you're a kid and you mastered this jump, it's amazing to you because it, it to me it was the first time and I and I think we're gonna have a smaller general chat section because I think it's gonna be splintered throughout sprinkled throughout splintered <laughs> throughout you know, we'll, you know we invent new terms here this was the first jump I felt that felt like realistic even though it's not at all okay okay but it just felt so freeing to have like control over it you know what I'm saying sure. you didn't feel it felt more like a real movement instead of just a button press right right and the jump is Mario's main way of interacting with his world. That's right. You use it to, you can jump on objects or, you know, to fight enemies. You, you, most of them, you can jump on them to defeat or at least stun them. Or mm -hmm. you also jump into bricks and question blocks to trigger them and search for hidden items. Yes. And that is Mario's, uh, you know, jumping on is how you defeat most of your enemies. But jumping up is how you, you know, interact with all of your power-ups, your blocks, that kind of thing. Because when Mario is jumping and hits a question block, which is, you know, we all know what a question block is. It's how you get your items in the game. Yeah. Or yeah. coins. No matter what his size, he can activate them. Yeah. And like I said, his size. Because another first, for me at least, was the fact that this character, instead of having a life bar or hit points... Its health was denigrated by the size of Mario. Yes, the magic mushroom turns you from Mario to Super Mario. And that's what, you know, I, I still forget that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. You always just think of it, you know. That he is Super Mario. But Super Mario is his embiggened self. Well, yeah, they, they didn't really emphasize that in other media where it's like the the little mario is the normal human one right you know it's like yeah. you're kind of giant but it's like he always kind of defaulted to the larger size or it seems that way eventually that's just how it goes right right but the mushrooms are the i'm sorry the magic mushrooms aren't the only thing that comes out of these blocks no there's tons of stuff to find such as coins yeah, this game has a currency system, uh, coins. You don't use it to purchase anything, but every 100 coins is a one-up. Mm -hmm. Do you get points for coins? Uh, I don't know. 
Seems I don't like either. Would. Because you get points in this game, and I've never paid attention to them my entire life. Well, unfortunately, there is no reward for points other than, you know, bragging rights, I guess. And I think there might be, isn't there like a, a bonus or some sort of like, if you have a certain point number on it, when you hit a flag, there could be something that happens? Well, I know your your timer, if you have, depending that's on That's what I'm thinking of. The number, yeah, that's how the, the secret fireworks come out, which are fun, okay. but again, they're just more points, so. Yes, okay, that's, I was thinking of the fireworks, but that's time-based, not point-based. Even harder to figure out then. <laughs> So we have the coins, we have the magic mushroom. There's also the one-up mushroom. Yes. It is green. Yep, different color. Uh, it's also how you get another life. Precious, precious lives. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Not only can you get big, there are two more ways of gaining power in the Mario universe, or at least at this point. First being the fire flower. Yes, it turns you into fiery Mario. You now changes your... The color of your overalls to white and you can throw a bouncing fireball mm -hmm. and like, that kills almost all the enemies you're going to encounter in the game yep almost and is very useful it is the most useful thing in the game for sure um what's interesting is that at this point you know we've you've all probably played lots of marios mm -hmm. um when you have a magic mushroom and you become large if you get hit you lose that largeness and become regular mario again yes now, if you are Super Mario and get a Fire Flower, you become Fiery Mario. But if you get hit, you don't become Super Mario. You drop back to regular Mario. That's right. Yeah. And of course, if you're regular Mario and you touch an enemy, you are dead. Yeah. In the future, they change that and they give you an extra hit when you get your power up, such as the Fire Flower. Yeah. Yeah. Which is but nice. In this one, no dice. Just because you have that Fire Flower does not give you any extra health. It's just still one more hit before becoming regular Mario. It's purely offensive. And then we have the final power up, the Starman. That's right. You might think it's a star, but it's a Starman. Yeah, I mean, it has eyes. Exactly. And this turns you into Invincible Mario, where you will begin to flash and some cool tunes will play. And you, I mean, how long you got? 10 seconds, maybe? Maybe that's a little generous, but... You any enemy you touch will now die and you can run through any foes without without needing to worry about taking any damage. Correct. And we should mention, too, you know, both types of mushrooms when you hit will begin moving as soon as they emerge from the question block or wherever. And they will start heading to the right. The fire flower is stationary, but the star man not only moves to the right, but kind of hops. Yeah. So it can be a little tricky to pick up sometimes if you're if you're caught off guard. Indeed. Now, in the first Mario can you get one-ups from running through a bunch of people with a star? I don't think so. I don't think so. There, You can only get the one-ups if you bounce off of enough of them, correct? Yeah, bouncing off multiple enemies without touching the ground does scale up the point rewards, which will eventually trigger uh, a one-up, but it doesn't do that for the star man. Eventually, you will have that power, but in this game, you do not have it. Right, right. Now, Mario is not limited to attacking enemies with just those two power-ups, though, or his jump. He Correct. can use other enemies against each other. That's right. They're not only the Koopa Troopas, but Buzzy Beetles that will trigger, you know, you jump on them once, and then it's just a shell that you can then kick, which will head left or right, depending on which direction you kick it, and will hurt enemies. And they will also destroy blocks. Oh, that's true, yeah. Or uh, activate a question block. Yep, yep. And those are really the beginnings of everything else you're ever going to do in a Mario game. Right, right. Yeah, it's the it'll be around for years, guys and yeah. gals. <laughs> now, I don't think we talked enough about the acceleration in this game. 
Oh, it's a it's a big big part of of Mario. <laughs> yeah, because while your B button is your attack button, if you have fireballs, mm-hmm. it is also your accelerate button. That's right. You hold it down, and as you move, you will begin to pick up speed. And like we said, that lets you jump higher and further. Mm-hmm. And the combination of that and that variable jump gives Mario a mobility and momentum that I that I don't think I'd ever experienced before this game. No, and it's it's very liberating to be able to just cruise through a, a level, and it's it's addictive in a way, and it's kind of uh, you know it's something that I think Sonic would really focus on much later, but it really started here because this game makes you want to run fast because it's just so fun. And if you know the levels well, many of them are built in a way that if you have that rhythm and you know when to jump, you can run the entire level and just bounce through it. Sure, yeah, of course that can also be a weakness as the <laughs> some of the levels are designed to trick you into running yes and the you know the the momentum like you said also makes certain jumping things pretty tough because you know you may try to run and jump up on a single block but you if you're going too fast you'll you'll slide off the other side because mario does not stop on a dime no and you might think as a negative if you just were told it but this game is a little slippery it's a little loose in the in the feeling of of your controls but mm-hmm. in a way that is just at the edge of being controllable. Right, but I think that was a was one of the draws of the game was that that sense of inertia that you have as you're running and moving and stopping makes it feel a little more realistic in a way. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, I, I think that in many ways this game ruined motion for so many future Nintendo games because if it didn't feel good... It was like, well, Mario got this, and it was the game that came with it. Yeah, it was the first game, like, pretty well. So, yeah, it always felt weird when a game had bad controls, and I was like, but they already figured it out. Especially as a kid, I didn't realize, you know, different companies don't, they don't have access to the code of other companies. Right, right. I was like, just look at Mario, do what he did. Yeah, copy it, you losers. Uh, Now, when you start the game, you start with uh, three lives, is that correct? Uh, Yes, sir. And when you run out of those lives, which, you know, again, will happen if you run into touch an enemy or a projectile or fall into one of the mini pits that is an or instant death touch spikes or fire mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or if your your timer runs out yeah we didn't talk about that one yet which is a, a, another thing that makes you want to run <laughs> yeah and now most levels have a really generous timer yeah i feel like it's about what does it start at like 390 or something seconds so pr- pretty uh, solid it's way up there. It is, th- It is. I think, starts at 400. Okay, yeah. So you've got plenty of time in most levels. But if you're a kid and you don't forget to pause, oh, yeah. that's how you learn real quick. Okay, there's a timer. Got to pause this game. Sure, and that's that kind of the, the inner tension you experience because there are tons of hidden coins and other items that you want to find, but you can't fool around for too long or else once you get down under 100 seconds, the, the music speeds up and the pressure is on. And when you're a kid, that that music really does make you feel the pressure. Absolutely. Like, you still have plenty of time, but I remember being, like, downright panicked. I was like, oh, God, that music's on. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. Now, when you're playing the game, you have your uh, score on the top left. It also tells you that you're Mario, just in case you forgot. Yeah. It has the coin count you currently have. It tells you what world you're on and what level and the time. But interestingly enough, you do not get to see how many lives you have. No, you only see that when... You die and restart or enter a new stage. It gives you your little count. Yeah. 
So that's an interesting, like, just to show they hadn't really figured it all out yet. We don't know what the HUD should look like. We don't know what information is the most important. Right, right. But once you've lost all of your lives, you have a game over. That's right. And that's it. There are no continues here, friend. (laughs) Well, technically, there's not. Right. Uh, There is the the classic code that where I think you just hold A and press start and you will you'll start from the first level of the world you died on. And once you learn that this game becomes a lot more fun and a lot easier as a kid. Well, yeah, I, I I don't think there was a time that I didn't know this code, you know, so but. I mean, the frustration, I don't know, this would have been such an intimidating game if you only had three lives. Like, you'd really have to focus on inhaling coins and such to try to build Mm -hmm. up a stock to make it through because, you know, modern-day fans of Mario might think that, you know, these games throw extra lives at you left and right, but this one, not so much. Eh, we'll talk a little later about Mario Wonder, but... Oh, yeah. Oh, I was thinking. I think, I think they're they're starting to learn their lessons, but there was a long period of time, especially once you get to like Mario World, where it was like lives. Who cares? Yeah, I, I, you know, which is fine, but it, it's it, here. It's a it's a tougher tougher game in, in that way. Is definitely a finite resource. Well, I, I we should mention that there are some levels. You know, we briefly uh, talked about this earlier, but there are underwater, and, and you swim by pressing your A button. That's mm-hmm. you can't jump underwater, and it's a it's a slightly different beast but again it's feels like mario because you are there's a a different momentum that you have where you kind of move in a weird joust like yeah yeah balloon fight ish kind of way yeah yeah it's just interesting because you know you're not running so if you run and start jamming on the button you can build your jump button that is or swim button i guess uh you do build up momentum and speed in that way that it doesn't go away as fast as certain other i don't know it's, it's just another Another way you make your way through the Mushroom Kingdom. And then finally, this game is a two-player game. You can play as Mario, or if you have a second player, they are Luigi. But you do not take turns in the sense of Mario 3 or beyond. You must wait for player one to die before player two can start. Which is a cruel thing to do in certain ways. Well, we'll we'll discuss that more in our personal (laughs) history. Well, Nick, this was the pack-in game with the Nintendo. Mm -hmm. They had to make sure every kid that had never picked up a controller could play this game. So please tell me they did at least a decent job with this manual. I think they did. Uh, They, you know, for many children, myself included, this was the first NES manual I ever saw. Same. So it kind of sets the standard in in many ways. And it has a lot of really interesting things going on in it. Sure. You know, it's, it's, for a game as relatively simple, I guess, as Super Mario Brothers, it's kind of beefy. It's 19 pages plus two memo pages at the end. Always a fan, even though totally useless in this one. I, I guess for high scores, uh, it's maybe if you could remember like, oh, a secret's in this one spot. Yeah. Yeah. And you got some, Black and white screenshots. This this whole thing, of course, is black and white, as well as a lot of, like, instructive art and enemy and item art. I love this art. It is such a weird choice. 
I yes, I agree. I, I love it as well. And why is it so weird? Well, you have first of all, Mario's kind of strange looking, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a squat man. He, he is a, a. I don't know. There are certain pictures that look crazy, but I also love. This is something I love in many manuals where you get item or enemy art that is drawn to resemble the sprite exactly. Yeah, it is a drawing of the sprite, which is so weird because the other weird thing about it is it's like. It's not hard edges like if they just took graph paper. There's like a little bit of a curve to each of those little cells. And corners. Yeah, yeah. And it creates some really fun and weird drawings. I, I love it. Yes, it's it's fascinating. <laughs> um, I remember staring at this book and trying to draw some of the characters out of it. I wish I had some of these drawings. I'm sure they're horrible. <laughs> I mean, Mario's a pretty ugly looking guy in this thing, but but it also has some other like, for example, on page six, you have a, an interesting kind of cross section slash map of the first world mm -hmm. that would have liked more of where it, it just kind of shows how the different the four stages of world one kind of line up into a, a, a parts of a larger world, you know, mm -hmm. which is fun. Well and they have to explain the fact that you're going to be running to the right. That's like a full level. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So many games before this were one screen. That's right. Yes. And it's, I love it. You know, it's, it's much like in say Ghosts and Goblins or Castlevania would later and kind of incorporate this kind of thing into the game itself. But you know, I, I you have a little bit of one here that I, I would have liked to see more of, I guess, but I don't fault the manual for not doing that. Right. But it does a, a good job of walking you through the game, which to modern eyes and ears is very simplistic and stuff. But at the time you had some different, you know, jumping on enemies to hurt them seemed, you know, different concepts that are old hat. Now uh, they were still kind of fresh then. So it, it definitely explains how you're going to get through this game. Yeah. Now is this manual where we uh, learn the bizarre fact that the blocks in this world are the inhabitants of the mushroom kingdom? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, you know, there's a, a quick little story blurb at the beginning that basically tells you the black magic of the the koopa the, which is a tribe of turtles you know they're famous yeah, they, they, <laughs> they refer to them as a turtle tribe often in this manual yeah which is fun i don't know they kind of moved away from it later in the later games because there's all kinds of weird enemies and stuff but it, they were all turtles you know uh yeah they get through that and it, yes the mushroom people were turned into stones bricks and even field horsehair plants which is horrible because you're destroying those bricks willy-nilly. And I, I do like that the story mentions that, you know, the only one who can undo the magic spell is Princess Toadstool. She's not Peach yet. Nope. And Bowser, I don't even think, do they call him Bowser in this? I think it might just nope. be King Koopa. Yep. King in fact, do they, they mainly refer to him as Koopa. Yeah, I think but, so. Uh, you know what? Nope. Uh, on his picture, it says Bowser, King of the Koopa. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, so basically, he's already won. <laughs> and you're you're trying to restore mm -hmm. peace and you know re bring the people back so that's kind of fun yeah i do not want to be there when she does uh complete that spell and like all of the chunks of uh blocks you have destroyed now return oh, to like bloody. chunks of uh <laughs> mushroom human mushroom people been destroyed. it's gonna be a sad day it it's like a family like reforms and they're like where's dad and it's like he's just been shattered right right and you know it does uh you know so obviously explains the the gameplay well you have a four page enemy section which is fun and with it's is it i think is it every enemy in the game i believe so and agreed they were smart enough to uh show you the mushroom retainers uh bowser but but not give you a drawing of princess peach yeah she 
Or her, Toadstool, I'm sorry. Yes, her, her, her sprite doesn't fare as well. It doesn't age it as is, well. It's the weakest sprite in the game. I'll, I'll go out and say it. Sure, sure. Koopa does not look that cool to begin with, but she looks downright awful. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you get a little detail. I do like that, for example, like the Goomba, you know, it says this is a mushroom who betrayed the Mushroom Kingdom. And it's like, oh, OK, that's a little little fun fluff there. Oh, you don't like the part where it says one stomp and he dies. Uh, well, I love that. <laughs> he deserves yeah, it. Yeah. But <laughs> and, you know, it does allude towards certain, you know, it hints at different ways to get extra lives kind of, you know, guiding well, you. There's a whole extra section in the past, the last couple of pages, the secret tricks. That's right. It, it doesn't Where a, come a out. Koopa goes, shh, don't tell anyone. That's right. Is he betraying the, the, I think the turtle is. tribe? Hmm. But yeah, they hint at your, you know, chain reaction techniques and, you know, it encourages you to kind of explore and smash bricks and look for things. But something I had never noticed before that I want to highlight here is on page seven. Okay. Okay. It tells you bonus prizes where it tells you you pick up a one-up mushroom, extra life, 100 coins, extra life. In addition, there are other ways to get an extra Mario. And then there are four pictures below it, which is yeah. a sprite drawing of the one-up mushroom. And below uh -huh. it, it's named one-up mushroom. Then coin. There's a picture of it, and it names coin. There's a picture of the question block, and below it, it just says question block. But then it's just a, a question mark. And then, and then what below do they it, call that? it's nothing i don't know it's like it, it just shows a question mark and then below it where it would say the name is a question mark where it's like what are you what are you trying to say here it's just like uh i don't know anything could be anything uh, <laughs> anything I, could be whatever <laughs> now what is there another way to get an extra mario uh, can you get one through points i mean i i guess maybe they're they're going they're hinting towards I guess the jumping, you know, the multiple jump on multiple enemies trick or I, I, it just cracks me up that they were like, there's not even a picture. It's just a question mark and a question mark. So like, who knows? I gotta fill up one it. more spot in this page. Yeah, I guess they're like we got some we got some empty space here. So throw out some question marks. But yeah, all in all, I would say this is a, a solid manual. It gives you more than enough information and some, to learn how to play the game as well as some, some nice background fluff to you know, fill out the admittedly pretty sparse story and stuff of the game. For sure. Now, next week, we're going to get into our personal histories and some general chat about this game. But before we end this first episode, we want to break into some of these levels real quick. Yeah, we want to break into these levels like Mario breaks into petrified toad people. Yeah, so this is it, folks. This is our level-by-level level portion of the show. And um, you start out with uh, World 1-1, which could be, you know, we said this before, and we'll say it again, the best first level of a game ever. It's a very cleverly constructed level to teach you the game, you know, in a, instead of giving you some sort of written tutorial or whatnot, it kind of teaches you by doing. Yeah. Uh, when the level starts out, it is a nice kind of blue sky, hills in the background, bushes in the foreground, nice standard looking area. And the first thing you encounter is a question block and a Goomba. That's right. And, and right there, you can learn, I hit the question block from below. I hit the Goomba from above. And if I don't, I get hurt. And it, it immediately teaches you that you want to hit all of those blocks and, and investigate them. Yeah, because right afterwards is another set of bricks and question blocks where you find your first mushroom. But what's great about it is that there's a pipe right afterwards. So if you do not jump up and get that mushroom, it goes off, hits the pipe and comes right back to you. 
Yeah, so you learn the the way the mushroom behavior works here. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, you have pipes, which are, of course, a mainstay of Mario. I, for one, always thought that was because he was a plumber, but I guess it's just a feature of the Mushroom Kingdom. Yeah, I, I, the same here. And then, you know, we haven't discussed it, but there was always the long-term controversy. Does Mario hit the blocks with his head or his fist? Yeah, I, I think it's canonically his fist because... Yeah, if you look at the sprite, he is kind of... When he jumps, especially as time goes on, we all know, he jumps up and wah, throws that fist up in the air mm -hmm. as he jumps. Yeah, and it does... In the manual, uh, at least one point, for example, it says bad guys on top of the bricks can be taken care of by punching from below. That's I think that's definitive proof. That's in a court of law. Yes. We have settled this. So you have some more Goombas. You have more pipes to jump between. And then before your first gap, there is a secret block. Yes. Uh, there's a hidden one-up mushroom right here. And it's very easy to hit if you're just jumping around trying to figure out your controls. Yeah. So, you know, that... You learn to look out for those. Yeah. And this was another thing that blew my childhood mind. Secrets. Every kid loves secrets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And another secrets in this game I'm playing, like, oh, when you found them, you felt like a genius. More so than anything, I think, at least personally speaking, that this is what really made me come back to Mario over and over. Was I was always wanted to find more coins or whatever, even if even if I didn't need them, just they were so enticing. Mm -hmm. We're not going to go through every level talking about each individual piece of it, <laughs> but it's important to talk about this one this way. I think so. Uh, following that, you have your first encounter with the fire flower. And while you're getting it, Goombas are falling down onto the level that the Fire Flower is at. So most likely, you will kill them by getting by hitting that block the Fire Flower is in. That's right. That's right. So it's like you've been playing for 20 seconds or less, and you've now learned like almost all of the basics of this game. Or this level introduces you to all of the items one by one and different and kind of features, you know? I think we forgot one of those first few pipes, you can go down. That's true. It is the pipe right before the hidden one-up mushroom. Yeah. And you go down there, boom, you can go down a pipe, mind-bending. Yes. Another chunk of this level is not just like part of it. You load it into a new area. There's extra coins down there. It just adds to this like entire thing where like this game felt so massive compared to, yeah. you know, what I was experiencing in the arcades, which were almost all one screen games or something like Spy Hunter where okay it's a track and i'm going up the whole time right or even pitfall you know where you're you're moving kind of you know you can go left or right but it's all very similar yeah and you can see the lower level below you at all times yeah yeah but here now it's like now you've got pipes to explore and then after that you first you find you find your first question block that has multiple coins in it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. after that your first star which and we, sh we should mention that these these up until now all of these mushrooms and and our fire flowers have been in question blocks but here this this star man is in a normal brick so it, it again teaches you hit it all look look everywhere for stuff yeah you never know what's going to be hiding in a brick or just in between spaces and then you get these little you know platforms to teach you okay there's going to be these blocks i got to move up and down them before it hits you with the final stretch of a lot of them building up to a huge jump to the, the the flagpole at the end of the level yeah where you're standing on top of a pile of of stone blocks and you know you if you you have a small runway to run and jump and try to get as high on the flagpole as you can and you can lower it for bonus points towards the top i think the highest you get is five thousand down to like a hundred i think mm-hmm 
Um, once you've done that, you you ride the flagpole down and go into the castle behind it. Which I like because it's like you're liberating this chunk of the Mushroom Kingdom, kind of. Yes. Now, my question to you is, what is on that flag? <laughs> um, I I remember talking about this in our, our previous go at, at this game, and I'll stand behind it. I believe it is a turtle shell. I always thought it was a skull. I, I can see that. It is a, it's not exactly a great turtle shell, but... But you know what? I can also be convinced that it's a mushroom. I can see that as well. Uh, it's it's a kind of, you know, the resolution's low enough, so it's it's a... You can use your imagination to... It could be whatever you want. But given that they the, the manual's heavy emphasis on the turtle tribe, I always just assumed that it was like, they took over, and this is their flag, and when you lower it, then... That means it just probably makes the most sense. They're out of it, but I don't know. I I made it all up, so <laughs> I guess it could be what, whatever you want. True. Now, once you go into the castle, what remaining time you have counts down and becomes your comes becomes extra points for your score. Mm-hmm. Another little flag pops up with a star on it. That's nice. And then you are shown the next world you'll be in, one two, and your current life count. That's right. And then you move along to world one two, and you do move along. You see Mario leave that castle go into a pipe and then down into this next level which is subterranean that's right you will have had a, a taste of the subterranean in that if you went down the pipe in one one and here it's a it's an entire level under the ground i like that you know right away here there's some question blocks and such but here the goombas are blue which is kind of fun yeah they have a subterranean flavor and this music is great it definitely feels like you're underground it's almost echoey I, I love that. I mean, this might be my favorite level. I, I love the underground levels the most in this game because they just feel even more secret. You know, there, there are so many blocks to check for stuff. So it, it feels like a little more exploratory, I guess, than others. Mm-hmm. And if there are bricks on the ceiling, you can almost always break one and then run across the ceiling in an area you're not supposed to be which where the score is blew my mind as a child and it's still fun today where that's that's another like secret like Haha, i'm tricking the game itself or <laughs> and then right right away early in the level you become to a place where if you're small you can run through it but if you're big it's not big enough of a gap to make it through that's right and this is where you have to learn to use your momentum that's right. You either have to build up your momentum, run, and and duck, which you can do as Super or Fiery Mario, and then kind of slide through the gap. And this also teaches you that, you know, if you stand up while you're under, say you don't make it all the way through, it will kind of just shunt you out to the right. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're a, if you're unable to do that, you can break through some bricks to kind of make an upward path through, but... That's no fun. This is also the first level that has these moving uh, platforms up and down that repeat. So it's like a uh, elevator that's just continuously going in one direction up or down. That's right. And if you're really cool, you ride them to the top and past the exit to the secret warp. That's right. The first warp zone, which I loved as a kid. That really, another secret, you know, for you to find. And where does this warp zone take you? Well, it's got three pipes and they will all... Each pipe will take you to a different world, either world two, three, or four. Yeah. Now, we're not going to take those warps today because we want to talk about all the levels. Yeah. So instead, you ignore them. You go in that pipe, and you are put back on the surface world. You have another, what are we calling these uh, stairs? Is it just stairs? I guess, yeah. You have another set of stairs that you must climb and then jump off of to reach the next flagpole. So you can do it. Collect your points. Maybe earn some fireworks. And then you are on to world one, three. And one of the things I like about this is 
the last level we completed the flagpole we went into that little castle and now you're leaving that castle yeah it's great because it really gives a sense of like continuity to the world makes you feel like you're really moving along a real place absolutely but i've always wondered like what is in that little castle i don't know i i mean i think you got a snack in there i would hope so mario deserves Same. a like a pb and j or a lunchable at least uh if you want your mind blown i don't know where they came from but i saw an entire crate of dunkaroos at my school the other day wow really still kicking huh yeah i was like did someone commandeer a time machine because w- <laughs> where did this where does this from i always wanted dunkaroos but it's like even my parents were like that's just icing and crackers <laughs> yeah I couldn't even get Lunchables, so yeah. I, I knew not even to ask for the Dunkaroos. <laughs> so this level is interesting because there is no quote-unquote floor to the level. It's all these elevated platforms that are, I don't know. I, as a kid, I thought they were kind of like mushroom platforms. Yeah. But the, they're green with like a brown trunk, so are they trees? Maybe, yeah. It's Or like cliffs, maybe, you know, I would say. Oh, I could see that. Because there are, I don't what is it, in World 5, there are some that are, are clearly mushrooms, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, same enemies here. The big uh, new thing we're dealing with is not only the missing floor, but these horizontal moving platforms. Yeah, so you got you got a little bit to contend with here and, and some pretty long distance kind of jumps at points that you have to l- really learn to regulate the landing slide that you do. And the ramp up. You have to be at full run speed to make a lot of these jumps. Yes, so it can be easy to fall down. or And some of these enemies are very cleverly placed because there, there are plenty of like times I would jump up to be like, I can just barely do this. And it's like, if you're just that one pixel off, that turtle will turn around and bite you or, you know. But all in all, this is a very short level. Yeah, not too, not too tough either. And when you get to the end of it, you still have your standard, you know, staircase of sorts and a flagpole. But on the other side of this flagpole is not... A little castle no this is a big castle yeah and that lets you know it's big castle time that's right uh it, you know i was about to say it's dungeon time because that's what i've always thought you were doing is going into a dungeon but you're not i guess you're just going inside this castle yeah i always thought of the underworld levels as more dungeons yeah oh i, I totally realize i'm wrong as i was about to say <laughs> it and this is our first introduction to the big castle or the final level of each world yeah the the fourth of each world is always a castle so get used to them and bowser will be at the back of it or end of it as normal people would say <laughs> yeah and along the way you're going to deal with uh fire pits pits that have fire or lava at the bottom of them yep yep uh the fire bars we talked about earlier the rotating bars of fireballs yeah yeah they're little little chains or whatever they move around uh do they all move like clockwise i think they change I think throughout. they change later because there is one, at least, I think, in this level that is counterclockwise or anti-clockwise, as people not in America say. That's true. That's true. But being the first uh, Bowser or Big Castle level, this is really an introduction to these hazards. There's nothing here that's really going to give you a ton of trouble. No, no, it's pretty straightforward. You try to avoid these fire chains, you'll get to the end. Well, but where... before you get to the end, this is what I really like about them is... You get close to the end, and you start getting blasts of fire coming your way. That's right. That lets you know you're approaching Bowser's position. Indeed. And you can get uh, killed by those fire blasts without ever being close to Bowser. It's maddeningly frustrating if it happens. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And eventually you will get to Bowser, and the basic Bowser scenario is the same across all of these Bowser levels. Correct. You are 
on a bridge above a bunch of, you know, a lake of fire. He's hopping around there and at this point just shooting fire, but he has a few more tricks up his sleeve we'll deal with in later levels. Mm-hmm. And there's usually some sort of obstacle or something. And here, it's actually a boon in that there's a floating platform moving left and right above his head that you can use to jump over him. Because you can't can't jump on him to kill him. You, you will die. And one thing I really appreciate at the time, especially, about this, uh, and longtime listeners will know, I'm not a fan of giant bosses. <laughs> Unless it's like thematically, you know, you're fighting like a giant monster or a... Yeah. base of some sort sure i like the fact that bowser's not huge he's just slightly larger than you i i like uh this bowser sprite a lot actually same uh now if you are lucky enough to make it here with a fireball or a fire flower i mean you can use fireballs to defeat bowser uh it takes like six yeah i think it's six so. yeah yeah and if you hit him enough times he'll just plop and then fall down into the lava but the most likely way you will be defeating him is by jumping over him and grabbing a battle axe. That's right. It will. Or a key, I think, is what it's supposed to be. I is. I mean, I can kind of see that, but <laughs> it's clearly an axe, right? Like It looks, it always has looked like a giant battle axe. That's what I thought. And that will disengage this kind of drawbridge, and he will fall to his death. Mm-hmm. Although we, we should mention that a kind of fun thing, that if you kill him with fireballs, he does turn into like a black and white in this state or in this level, a Goomba. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is that an imposter that was in disguise? I think so. Mm. Once you have defeated uh, the Koopa, King Koopa, either way, and moved to the next area, you will be greeted by a, a mushroom retainer, mm-hmm. as they were known at this point, but now most commonly known as a toad. Right, right. And they thank you and give you that classic phrase, thank you, Mario, but our princess is in another castle. Boo. Which means it's time for you to move on. That's right. And we're going to wrap up the episode here. We'll get into the rest of the worlds in the next episode, along with our histories with the game and our general chat. That's right. So if you haven't already, (laughs) find a copy of this game. There's probably one maybe between your couch cushions. uh, On your phone, anywhere. On your phone. (laughs) You can't escape. You can play it in your web browser. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you've ever owned a Nintendo device, they make a copy of it for that Nintendo device, I'm pretty sure. Absolutely. And I, I think it's it's your duty as a gamer to, to check this out at least once. Agreed. Uh, if not, and if like me, you've been playing through Mario Wonder, it's really interesting to go back to the very beginning of the line to see how the almost the same guys that helped produce the newest, where they started at. And amazingly, you can see the through line in a lot of ways. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that more next time. So find a copy of this game and play along, friends. That's right. And if you guys want to get a or gals want to get a hold of us, for whatever reason, there's plenty of ways to do so. One of which is cartridgecommand at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Super Mario Brothers. We'd love to hear your thoughts on any previously recorded games you'd like us to give another crack at or a better a better ep. We might just do it. Uh, so, you know, feed our yeah. egos. Email us. Also, we, we also don't always remember like which episodes had audio problems or whatever so you yeah, listened to one true. recently and we're like uh that one sounded kind of crunchy <laughs> let us know that's definitely gonna get on our list so thank you all very much uh you can let us know on facebook at cartridge command or on x x at cart command although it feels like that's winding down here so yeah, maybe our- we'll start an instagram that's what young people use I, yeah it's 
it's better I, i've heard we're I, just hopelessly inept old people old men that use no social media so maybe there's something else we should use let us know yeah we just yell at clouds mm-hmm. i shake my fist at them all day long sadly we both shook our fists at a cloud that was uh, that. <laughs> in unison if only we had a video tier or <laughs> maybe one day but you know it's thanks to those awesome fine and wonderful folks that give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command that we can make this show happen. Uh, you know, things are a little touch and go right now as uh, we're in peak season. Nick is a working man reporting for duty at three o'clock in the morning some days for work. Not fun. And I have been drafted into the long-term supposition <laughs> as an engineering teacher. Uh, so my carefree days of reading comic books and telling people to just pay attention to what the teacher told them are gone. And I'm actually teaching young people how to CAD, which is as fun as you'd imagine. So, you know, we've got a lot on our plate, but we do love doing this and we will continue doing this for you folks as long as we can. And the fact that some people pay us even a dollar a month really gives us that extra drive to make sure we have something for you guys. Uh, it's that money that helps us pay for hosting fees. Now our uh, web recording fees we have those that are new um any yeah. equipment fees we need you know if it wasn't for you if it wasn't for you guys we may not have the money to do it so we thank you all so very very much yes from the bottom of our hearts and if you don't give consider doing so even a dollar helps or a thousand dollars that would really help but we'll you know, settle for a dollar you see some big changes with a thousand bucks i'll tell you what if <laughs> that's you wanna, true yeah if you wanna, <laughs> christmas is coming up patrons so <laughs> so guys then gals thank you all so very much and As always, Cartridge Commandos, game on! Game on! Game on!